Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We are back once again, guys. I'm Joshua Fisher along with Alexander Tasopoulos, Nicholas Kreider, and the Quan Cosby. We are here for Talking Texas. It's the Horns Up podcast. Get your horns up because here we go. Gentlemen, we were so close. We made it two weeks into the season, and here we are <laughs> once again. <laughs> you know what? I just, I mean, we're going to have to break it down the whole thing. Just shock value. I'm almost numb to it. On the way back from the bar with a fellow, a couple Longhorns, I was driving back, and they were just playing teenage angst music, like My Chemical Romance, Avril Lavigne. We were singing Someone Like You at the top of our lungs, the windows down from Adele. We looked to the left, the car next to us was like crying, laughing. Someone had a camera videoing us. It was like just super embarrassing. We didn't even care. We just kept going. It just hurt so bad. Quan, you were there at the stadium. You also had a great tweet. Um, I'd love for you to repeat it if you don't mind. You've shared it on the show before, but it's starting to really ring true. Man, I want to first give Arkansas their due, man. I was in Fayetteville. They freaking, they showed up. We've talked about on this podcast several times. It means more. I was in Fayetteville for three days. It meant a lot to a lot of Arkansas fans. They stormed wore, the field. They, you know what storming the field means? We didn't plan on winning, but we did. So let's go storm the field because we're not used to it. And that's really was, again, I got there Thursday and I golfed with some Arkansas folks, all of that. I wore every piece of burnt orange every single day, representing, talking all kinds of smack. And they kind of talked and said, you're wearing an ugly color. But they said, yeah, I bet on Texas. And they said, I bet on Texas because it's a win-win situation. We kick y'all's butt. I'm going to have bragging rights. I'm going to feel, but they said, I will take whatever I bet as a loss. And we saw what happened. So going into the tweet, man. So again, give them kudos because it means more. We've talked about that. Mm-hmm. Our fan base, our players, everybody better figure that out very soon. Going into the game, going into the tweet, I said, until we get it, a.k.a. until we hate losing more than we like winning, we're never going to be elite. What do I mean by that? Blew my mind because everybody wants to hate Nick Saban. Well, you hate him because he's great. But I remember it was a few years back. He won probably his third national championship on national TV. They were like, so what are you going to do? And with the straightest face possible, he said, well, I'm going to give this about 24 hours. I'm going to celebrate because we've earned that. And then I'm getting back to work. Even the national championship, that guy expects to win. When you go to work, when you work your ass off, when you go take care of business, you expect to win. When I was on the sideline, I was so happy these guys won when they beat Oklahoma or they beat someone else. But instantly, I never said this publicly, but it drove me crazy when they air surfed their coach. I'm like, dude, you got like seven games left. Act like you've been there before. Yes. And it's not bad for the guys. I mean, I'm not ragging on them. I'm talking about the mindset of elite minded or wannabe players or programs. That's the issue. When you work hard enough, winning is a byproduct of it. You're like, okay, cool. So, so people get out. They thought it was so weird. They're like, oh, you won. Aren't you excited? Yeah, I am. But I mean, not really. Cause that's what I expected to do. 
because my hate for losing fuels more film. It fuels more reps. It fuels less social media. I'm going to tell you how crazy the hate for, for, for losing. Women are the most amazing things on the planet. When I lost, and especially as an 18, 19, 20, 20 year old, we were all on campuses. Texas has the most beautiful people on the planet. I wanted no part of even that. I was like, no, I'm going back. I'm getting better. I'm going to get this feeling out of my system, get that taste out of my mouth. And so when I say you have to hate losing, you can like to win and you can go through the motions. You can be in great shape. You can do a lot of things, but you know, that's what liking winning will do. But when you hate losing, it's a whole different deal. It is a entirely different perspective. It's a sickness that you do not want to ever feel that sickness fueling me was me watching every second of Arkansas storm in the field. I had that twice in my college career. And I was putting myself through that because I was sitting there going, you know what? Kudos to them. We deserve it. They won. They kicked our butt. But boy, I had a sick feeling in my stomach because that's how much I hate to lose. So in defining what I mean by that, that's the fast version of what it takes. It, it, that fuel to not lose it has to somehow get back into the Longhorn brand and culture. Yeah, it it's definitely should. I mean, every, yeah, every year, but we're also the laughing stock of college football right now. You know, when it comes down to it, they always on Twitter or Instagram or wherever it is on social media, it's Texas is back, right? Oh, Texas is back or horns down or welcome to the SEC. And you lost to the lowest ranked team in the SEC. And this is how it's going to be every single week. Like Barstool was all over us this week. It's like, what do we do to like deserve this from Barstool? Like our, our fans. Yeah, of course, we all get really excited about a week one win, but we're looking to win 14 games in this season, right? Go undefeated, actually 15 games, right? You go undefeated and you win the, the conference championship and then you win your, your playoff games. So that's what I'm interested in. But yeah, I mean, we're the laughing stock right now and that really punches you in the gut and makes losing feel even worse. You know, but I, I think there's this like what you're talking about, Quan. There's this part of it, right, where we haven't grasped yet, because I think what has occurred so often for Texas and we've talked about like the, what the prestige means, what every game means for every opponent facing us. There's this like fixed mindset that we are already deserving of of all the accolades, all of the trophies of being there and what we're not what we're not doing is relishing in that feeling that you're talking about that sick to your stomach feeling and learning from it like using it to grow instead of being like oh why is this happening to us we're supposed to be so much better than that if you're supposed to be so much better than that fix it go work use it as fuel work on what you need to work on and for us like Specific to the game, one thing we praised the team for last week was that we took care of the ball, we executed, we had no turnovers, we fumbled the ball twice in this game, right? We didn't we didn't approach this game. We talked so much about how good of a rushing team this this team was, this Arkansas football team. They ran for over 300 yards on us. So we didn't do the little things that we needed to all across the board. And when you're playing away at a team that is coming after you, which, you know, we're, we're headed to their, their conference. They know that we know that it's just extra fuel for them. We didn't, you know, our backs were up against the wall and we didn't even feel that pressure. Yeah. No, it's a single, game, oh, go ahead. Let's say it's their playoff game. You know, like they're coming in and we used to be rivals. They're the quote unquote lowest to bottom. Or, they or want that toward, rivalry back. Or they're at the, towards the bottom. Yeah. They are the, towards the bottom of the SEC. And they're like, okay, you want to come play in our conference? You're going to get it right in the mouth kind of thing. I mean, it's just so right. And you know what? It just worries someone on a lot of levels because it just had so many remnants of like the Maryland games and the BYU situations where these running quarterbacks and these running football teams beat us at the line and they run all over us. And then a lot of the times maybe we go on and we win an OU game, we win some big games, and we take care of business here and there and by and large throughout the Big 12. 
And is it maybe because we're more prepared for the Big 12 offenses, which are more air raid? Perhaps, but the issue is, is now you've taken yourself out of the Big 12 and you're going to the SEC where the offenses are way more balanced, if not more run heavy in a lot of situations. And so not only are we going to see SEC competition on the, the line side where these guys are bigger and stronger and pro players, we're going to see the type of offenses where they're ready to run it down their throats and control time of possession. I mean, that's why our, they, they were able to run it. I was talking to someone today they're like, oh, they ran all over us. They scored 40 points. I was like, what do you expect? We got dominated on the line on offense. So three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. And by the time you're third or fourth, three and out, or fifth, three and out, whatever it was, your defense is gassed. These guys have no energy left. So, yeah, they're going to run all over them. It was just really unfortunate that we came out so flat and we did turn them. We, we did have two fumbles, but we also were too careful in a lot of instances. And the time man, held on to the ball it was crazy. No, we really did, man. And, and really, even diving into something you said earlier, I, I think it was Toss or Nick, the horns down, all this different stuff. Man, being on the sideline for so long, I saw things a little bit more and different. And you see body language. And I was sitting in the stands. And I think we're two series in. And, and, I, and I, you know, one of our great Longhorns who worked for Walmart, um, uh, Tony Rogers, I said, oh, crap, we're in trouble. And, and, and Luke, another buddy who works for IMG, LH, uh, LHN and all that stuff, he was like, come on, Q, like, no way. I said, I don't think you get it. I, I've seen a lot of this. I played that game pretty well. And, and what I'm getting to is, as I was walking up to the game, man, I saw at least 200 horns down. And I was like, all right, cool. Thanks for doing our sign, whatever. But then about five minutes before the game, they started playing the music. I saw the smoke. I can be as friendly as it gets, but the closer you get to game time, it's about to get real. And what I realized is when I was on the sideline, I had to channel so many of those emotions because I had to be live and I, mm -hmm. I couldn't get into game mode. So I was like super, to your point, super numb and didn't worry about it, but I didn't have that. So right before the game, I saw a couple of horns down and I was about to knock some, I was like, just settle down. The problem is that's me. That's you. That's us on the sideline. I had a couple of women next to me about to get, I mean, cussing people out about horns down. And, and, and the only reason I mention that is because hostile environments, we absolutely, two things, love wearing the icy whites, unis, oh, yeah. took insane pride. Craig Way calls them stormtroopers. And then secondly, going back to the fuel, the hate, we loved it. Absolutely loved it. We wanted it loud. We wanted it crazy. We played in Columbus. We played at Tech. We played in all those different places. And we loved it. Whereas in, it seems like for way too many years, they get in a hostile environment and it hurts their feelings. It's like, oh, you put the horns down. Well, that's not okay. No, actually, I want you to do that. Because you know what? I'm going to take it out on Lindy Holmes. So your player is going to have to put up with getting knocked the you-know-what out because you put the horns down. Mm -hmm. I'm going to beat, the, I'm going to tear your guys up so bad. And it's going to be theirs because they're wearing a different uniform, but also your fault. And that's what I'm talking about from a mindset, this weird, like, Oh, the horns down. Oh, we're on the road. We're so timid. We're that. No, no, heck no. Be ready, embrace it and take it out on the dude across from and it's just uh, for way too many years on the road. I just haven't seen enough of it. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't look like they really play pissed off and you want them to play pissed off. I mean, that's how those SC teams play. I mean, you look at Bama and they look pissed every time they play a game. Yeah. I just felt that I felt, I mean, it's a great point. They, but we, and Nick, we turned to each other during the game at the start and the defense, at least when it came out, like was physical. Like we started pretty physical, and I was like, okay, here we go. The offense is a little slow. I was like, all right, let these boys get in rhythm on offense. The boys on defense are coming out and playing physical. At least the defensive backs were. Like Foster was coming up making hits. Thompson had a couple hits over Sean. Brockermeyer, who I like a lot, he's getting in there. I mean, but after that, it just flattened out, and that offense just never kind of – it goes both ways. Like the offense and defense, like, inform each other 
almost. If the defense is hot, the offense should pick up steam and go, okay, our 11 across from us on the other side of the field are going after it. We have to step up and match their energy and help them out. Because the longer we're on the field, the more time our teammates get to rest and they could do their jobs better. Complimentary football. That's what you're talking about. Complimentary football, especially on the road. Complimentary mm -hmm. football. Oregon did it. Oregon went into Ohio State. Ohio State's the favorite. Ohio State went to the national championship last year. They're a good football team. I mean, their offense was good still last game. And Oregon came in, you know, oh, they're going to get bounced. They had a really rough game against Fresno State. And they took care of business. They went back to the drawing board. And, you know, they, they beat Ohio State. And now they're the number four ranked team in the country. Like, we would have been... Uh, 13, 12, you know, and then going into Rice, which we assume we would have won, and then Tech and all this stuff, and then we get what we want, the undefeated battle, the undefeated at OU. Now we have to go back to the drawing board a little bit, and I'm almost questioning, are we riding too high on that win over Louisiana and looking too far ahead and looking past Arkansas? Because they're not the ranked SEC team. They're not the SEC team that's like the top five, okay, this ain't Georgia, this ain't Auburn, this ain't Alabama, and we're going in there and we're kind of being a little lackadaisical about it which is man I, it's, it's funny you say that and, and we were talking about that last last time we got together about oh if we do this if we do that we do this we yeah. do that bro we're not there i mean we are I, I, so listen we have no control over that game none whatsoever but ultimately i think on so many levels as an entire or as an entire fan base donor base athletic program we sometimes clearly we played in it and I don't think on any level I ever showed up and said, um, you know, this Longhorn's going to win me a game. No, hell no. I said this Longhorn's going to get their best. So I better match it if not surpass it. However, I think the, the new era of, of guys, they thought the same thing we thought. We're just talking, man. We're fired up. We're believing in them. But they forgot the work you have to put in. They forgot that you don't show up any freaking where and just get a win. You you have to put it in. You have to execute. You have to, to be confident. You have to put it in. And I'm not talking about Saturday. I'm not in their meetings. Do I occasionally go by practice? Sure. But I'm not in their meetings. I don't know what's going on. But what I do know is I felt like most of the games we won weren't Saturday. They were Sunday after beating somebody else's butt. And then they were Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And and I don't and I'm talking about that two hour allotment. I'm talking about post that, go do my homework, and then go right back to it. The Fiesta Bowl catch that I ended with, me, Colton Ship saw that play before we even got on the plane to California, and we said if they do this, we're gonna beat their butt. And that's the perspective. And then we keep talking about the O line. I love my brothers, but our O line, we in my senior year, we went 12 and one. We did not have one O lineman play one down in the NFL. They worked their butt off. They took, you know, they they tried, they played hard, but we didn't have Sinline, Stuttered, Blaylock, you know, Jay Scott. We didn't have those guys, all first rounders, second rounders. But we schemed enough and we played and we knew our strengths and we took advantage of it in whatever form or fashion we had to. And so all these different things is just unfortunately. To this point, we're only two weeks in. We've been here before. And, and, it's, and it's, I know for me, I'm a little more patient. Hopefully we all are. But as a fan base, I don't get on the sites and all that stuff. But I hear yeah. <laughs> it's on fire. There's yeah. no patience. There's not. I mean, like we were in the bar. Look, switch, the quarterback switch is official now. It's Casey's team, at least for week three. And maybe it looked like he should have been the guy all along. You know, we'll see what happens next week. You know, in a full game where he's the starting quarterback. Hudson had like two or three bad series, and I'm sitting next to people at the bar, and they're like, yank him. And it's like, guys, like, let him get a half in it here at least. Let him try to get something. Like, look, yeah, it ended up being the right call to yank him, but at least let's try to get him some rhythm here and get him going before we're yanking him like towards the end of the first quarter. He just won us a game last week. What's hang tight for five seconds? There has to be some level of expectation. So in a loss like this, how did you and your teammates bounce back and go and turn it around so that one loss didn't become three or four losses? It just stuck at like one or two. Well, two things on that. First, to the Casey and and um, Hudson kind of piece of it. I, I, 
we've been talking about how much I hate losing. So I didn't sleep a lot after that game. And I was trying to process that. And um, we had Sam, Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger was an insanely vocal leader. I mean, just an absolute vocal leader. And, and I sometimes equate this to this. You know, there's some people in life that want to work out, but they need a trainer. They need the trainer for that push. They need a trainer for that accountability. They need a coach. And then there's some people who get up every day and run 10 miles, one mile, walk seven miles. And I think from an offensive standpoint, with Sam being such a vocal leader, that's what they need. What I've heard about Hudson is he's a great player. He works his butt off, but he's super quiet. And I don't know that the offense responds because not necessarily talking practice, but if you can see him in the game, it just seems like they respond a little bit differently, Casey. Well, what I've heard is Casey may be a little more vocal leader. So that's what they're used to. Yeah. So maybe that's something we're going to see from that standpoint. They Which need that kind of vocal perspective. It makes sense. I mean, he's a senior, right? I mean, yeah. the underclassmen, it's kind of hard sometimes to muster up the courage to be that vocal leader when you're playing with grown ass men. You know, I mean, he yeah. was in high school two years ago and the guys who are seniors here are ready to go off to the NFL. Some of the juniors are ready off to go to the NFL. So it is definitely a mental thing as well. But Casey's been there for that time and he's earned that right to be that vocal leader. Right. And so I definitely can see that. Well, in Colt, year one was wasn't as vocal as Colt was year two through four. Right. But he didn't have to be because he still had a veteran O-line. <laughs> we weren't going to get a lot of words in with Casey said it anyway. And so Colt didn't have to be that. The difference for this regime is they don't have a Casey Sutter. You know, they don't have these senior, very experienced national championship level folks and leaders. And so maybe that's what we're going to see from a Casey standpoint. How do we bounce back? You know, um, <laughs> we've been talking about it from the start of this freaking podcast. We hated. We started the process of bouncing back on the flight back. We'd be on the plane and we go back there and be like, no, nah, th th this, you know, what's not going to work like this. This is not us. We didn't execute. Coach Brown was amazing. And Sark did the same thing at taking blame. We were like, no, hell no. That wasn't Coach B. We were very prepared for this game. We didn't execute. We turned the ball over. We screwed this up. We messed this up. And come Sunday, Coach Brown didn't necessarily even have to yell at us because we were yelling at ourselves. Because we got there two hours early because we were mad. We, we were texting our coaches that night. We were calling our coaches, talking to our players. How do we fix this? What did we do? Hey, send me the film. I, I need to know what I didn't do or did, how I need to get better because that can never repeat that. In my four years, we didn't lose a lot. But one thing we didn't do, we never, ever lost two games in a row. No, heck no. And again, it goes back to... We did not accept losing. That was never a normal thing. It was never going to be that. And so how do we bounce back? We took criticism. If you want to be great, you invite it. Because no one's perfect. We wanted it. Coach me up. Tell me what I did wrong and tell me however you want to. Adding fuel, adding fuel. So that's what I think we did to bounce back. Unfortunately, we didn't have to as much, but somehow the mindset's going to just have to get to that perspective and, and, and want to get beat up because you should. We didn't get our feelings hurt when fans came down on us. We're like, hey, we actually have something to do with that. Right now, I was, I was every bit of pissed off in Fayetteville, but there wasn't anything I could do in that game. As a player... I had something to do with it, so I took responsibility for it and work. You know, I, I can't say work twice as hard because we couldn't max out how hard we were going to work anyway. But we damn sure went right back to work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just got to hope that they kind of get in there and you know hold each other accountable and are getting vocal with each other and are discussing those types of things. Uh, and you know, losing. I thankfully we have Rice. Knock on wood, because they played that Arkansas team kind of close for a majority of the game when they played them. Um, but I, I just, I don't, I don't want to throw. I know Sark's going to take a lot of it, and that was one of the worst losses I've ever seen as a Texas fan, if not the worst, to be honest. It just was. 
but he his but talking about body language, he's in like a power squat on the floor practically the entire game, almost like confused on like why this isn't working, like why his stuff isn't working, like frustrated that things aren't going the way that he had planned it out, which giving him the benefit of the doubt could kind of lend to the fact that maybe he felt they were really prepared and is confused in the execution. I mean, we kind of are touching upon it, but we you get into like some things that we didn't like. And like one thing I just really wished that Hudson did and what could have saved Hudson the job maybe was make a decision good or bad. Just make a choice And Casey for better or for worse. He's coming. He's making a choice. He's just, he's got, he knows when to pull and knows when to throw and it's just, you know, in, in Tuck and Ron, it's just he's making decision after decision after decision. There could have been a situation where he made a bad decision, but at least he was making something. Hudson's holding the ball on too long, waiting for something to happen and develop for him instead of going out there and taking a shot and trying to execute and make things happen for his teammates, which would have felt like to me, which is a huge disappointment. And a big reason why I thought we lost early on. No, yeah, it's a great point. I mean, we were talking about the entire time how much quicker – how much quicker pace the offense was when Casey was in there. And mind you, he was going against probably some secondary players on that Arkansas offense. It probably pulled some of their starters, but at the same time, I mean, you could just see right away that he was making decisions really quickly. And when the O-line's getting beat like that, you want a guy who can move back there and Casey can clearly move a little bit better than, than Hudson can. So um, the other thing that we touched upon last week that we looked at as a positive was that, the play call was a little vanilla, right? There wasn't a ton of bells and whistles in there. And maybe we were holding our cards close to our chest, right? Where we didn't want to kind of divulge too much with, with the Arkansas game coming up. It still looked very vanilla. I mean, didn't look like there was a lot of change. There wasn't a ton of crazy play calls. It was just three and out, three and out, three and out. This didn't work. This didn't work. This didn't work. Hand off to Bijan. Nope. Got stuff. Like it was just very plain and dry. Not a ton of risks. And there were some missed deep balls thrown too. I mean, I mean that obviously that just comes from accuracy. And we had some wide open guys. We've had some drops. The drops are just a lack of focus as well. So that's just a lot of stuff that needs to be corrected next week. And you're right. Luckily we do have rice, but at the same time, can't take this one off either because you got to bounce back in a big way. No, I mean, you can't take any game off really, but now, especially this game has to be taken as seriously as humanly possible because if this is Casey's team, he needs the reps and he's got to get tuned right in, you know, and this is, if you're finding yourself in a tight one against rice, like that kind of mentality and bad juju is just going to carry over. Uh, was there anything that anybody liked in the game? <laughs> nah, nah. I mean, are you kidding me? Hell I don't no. know. I don't know. I'm just like trying to, like, we're all sad you know and somber you know here. Like, I do. We should be. That was I know. an absolute beat down. You know, where we all sit here and got on here, laughing so hard about um the 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 video with uh what's my man on uh with hangover and all that bradley cooper and it was oh, great yeah, at sec yeah. well the videos have come back and we look like crazy fools but man it's it's mike tyson said it best everybody has a plan until you get hit in the mouth and, and, and we certainly got hit in the mouth and, and didn't necessarily respond. And, and unfortunately, we've seen that uh, a few times over the years. But it was I – mean, Hudson was quarterback Lake Travis. He had a great line there. They won a lot. He had never seen some, some cats like he saw coming Saturday. Um, he didn't see that as good as we thought. And, and, and they were, really. Uh, Louisiana's D-line was we were just a lot more sound and again, we were at home, so we were pumped up. We had that trainer, aka the fan base, cheering us on. And then um, and then it got hostile and it got hostile real quick. And and they had an energy. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, it meant more, to be honest with you. It seemed like it meant more to uh Arkansas than than it necessarily meant to us. And their energy said that, you know, of course. These guys, these, these young men, it, they want to win every single day. I'm never questioning their heart. However, their energy, it seemed like from, from an Arkansas standpoint, it meant more. And we just, dude, for, for four quarters, I don't think we ever matched it. And, and, and I, think, I think one of y'all said earlier that, I think it was you, Josh, the defense played decent for a while. They really did. It was, it was a close – it was a beatdown on every level – Three and out, three and out, three and out, drop punt, stuff like that. But it was – we went in a half 16-0. 
as crazy as that sounds, that's a couple of touchdowns and field goal. Yeah. But they came out of the half in the third quarter, got away from us. So we just never, ever really match their energy. And, and, and we paid for it in a big way. Yeah, they definitely left their foot on the gas pedal at coming out of halftime. I mean, I thought we still had a chance coming out of halftime. I think we all did, right? It's only two touchdowns. Especially with us getting the ball. Exactly. Bartender thought we were chilling. Shows what he knows. It's insanely. I we had we, we Quan and our setup. We were watching at this bar called Busby's in Los Angeles, and we had this one Tennessee volunteer fan roll in before the game started, and he goes, "Arkansas stinks." Look, I know Tennessee's not good, but Arkansas is the worst of the SEC, maybe outside of Vanderbilt. So you guys got this. Be sure to win by twenty-one. And right oh. then, it was like the worst omen of all time. I was like, and he came back in. He's like, don't worry. I took you boys plus 11. And I was like, get out of here. You, you, I was actually mad. Like, I'm like, I, I'm a little superstitious. I'm like, you jinxed us. And everyone heard you. You totally ruined our day and arguably our fall. Like, <laughs> just bringing in the bad juju of them losing to Pitt and bringing it to our game. That's Man, just, that's disgraceful. It's disgraceful, really. I, I think. Just another um, example. I mean, I mentioned the Pitt Tennessee game. Iowa and Iowa State played each other. Iowa got the better of them. Uh, and, and you already mentioned it, Josh. Oregon beats Ohio State. I mean, these big five, I'll call it interconference play, like the teams from whatever conference that are buckling down and taking it seriously and have the chip on their shoulder with that underdog mentality. Like, I think, again, you talk about Saban, you talk about Belichick. They win so much, but I guarantee that the way that they look at themselves versus everyone else is as an underdog, no matter who they're facing. And that's what makes them that hungry. And uh, I just think like college football was really fun this week. Um, unfortunately, we, we kind of took the brunt of why it is so fun, right? Because we were one of those upset yeah. games, but I, there's just a lot to learn. And a lot of it has to do with the mindset and the approach that our, our guys take our guys and our coaches take, you know, each week. So I don't know. It's when you're in the, when you're in the locker room. Yeah. At at halftime, I I saw our boy, E-Man Acho posted a video the other day and he was like, when you get mad, don't raise your voice, raise your intellect. Right. And I think that that has a lot to do with channeling that focus. And it's something that Sam Ellinger did really, really well. And it was apparent because we didn't lose a lot of games by this margin when Sam was our quarterback, because when things were in an adverse situation, he buckled down Mm. and he turned things around for us. And that's just the distinct difference with this team right now is Hudson wasn't able to do that. Casey wasn't either. No matter which one of them looked better, neither of them were grabbing their other guys by the shoulder pad saying, look, we got to turn this around. Like, believe in me and believe in yourself and let's go do this thing. Obviously, like I'm not privy to what they're saying, but I, I don't believe that that's what was going on. We certainly weren't seeing it in the cutaways. Like I about said. Say, and that sideline was a little flat. So, no, I think you're right on there. Leadership, yeah. you know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> there, there's, I'm not saying that there's no leadership on there because there's some great guys who, yeah. who ultimately, by example, do a really good job. But, again, man, you know, it's when things are flowing, when things are great, it's easy to kind of do anything, but when it gets real, man, we were getting beat by what? 21, 28 by Oklahoma state at halftime. And I remember you want to talk about a confidence coach Brown came in the locker room. And he was like, well, guys, we can only go up from here. And we all bust out laughing. You know why? Because we still understood and knew that last week we put in the work. We knew we were better than what they were, and we damn sure was better than what we showed in the first half. They shot all their bullets. And guess what? We beat them by 28. (laughs) They didn't score in the second half, and we scored eight times. And that's the little things that you just – it's a panic mode. It's it's just on so many levels. And and I will say this, and and I toss you – you said it best talking about all of college ball – Dude, you got your guys out in L.A. USC was ranked higher than us, and Stanford gets embarrassed by K-State in Dallas, and then they go beat the brakes off of USC. 
I don't know what's going on, but I love it unless it's my horns. I love every bit of it. I love Ohio fired their coach. They fired him today. I love AM almost. Well, they, um, not almost. I was hoping they lost too. I, I want every team to lose but us. Notre Dame almost lost too. Notre they Dame only- hasn't looked good any week. And so that's what I'm Clemson lost last week. So it's just, it's on so many levels. I love college football for its exact reason. The problem is we have these top four expectations that we continue to not reach as well. I want that parody for everybody else. I want us to live up to what we hope to be and be in a blue blood. And, and, And I want to take that a step further. What's interesting enough. I actually heard this from another coach in this state, college coach. And he said, you know what's funny about the Texas expectations, Texas, Texas A&M, Baylor, TCU, Tech. Texas has one national championship in this state in the last 51 years. One natty that was us in 05. Take that away. It was us in 1970. In the last 51 years, the state of Texas, the Mecca, the high school Mecca, the football state, all the above, one in the last 51 years. Chew on that. So really, something's going on across this state. And by the way, Baylor, Baylor won basketball last year. It was only the second in the history of the state of Texas. Texas Western, I think in the 60s, and then Baylor last year. So... I don't know. What, I don't know what we're putting in the water. I don't know what we have going on, but other than, of course, a lot of our Texas folks, why not leave the state if you want to win a natty? Now we won it with Texas players. We took pride in it, and I, I just, I'm trying to figure out how do we recreate that because could, across the state it's a little rough. You could still do it. Like the thing is, is like, it's as crazy as it sounds. Like let's say Arkansas ends up having one of their best seasons they have in a while. Like hypothetically, like, look, they have some guys that are going to play pro. They're off. Their line looked good. That receiver Burks, like he didn't have a flashy game, but he's still good. Their quarterback's not bad. Their quarterback's a massive player. They're they're throwing out the word Cam Newton on the broadcast a lot. Like, I'm not going to go that far, but like he was like, he was he like when we were one of our guys that was sitting next was like, that guy's massive. He's just so big because he could body over. That's like all of a sudden it's like five or six yards, seven yards every carry first down after first down. And they had like four or five guys go over 40 yards. I mean, they could be a good football team, competitive football team, more so than they have been in the past. So let's say they are kind of decent and that loss doesn't look as bad because it's in Arkansas. And I know I don't, we shouldn't get ahead of ourselves, but the season is my point is the season's not over, not over. It definitely is. Yeah, not I mean, even close. Happens every year, right? There's a team that has a, a first couple of week loss that sees themselves, you know, on the edge of making that playoff. Ohio State's done it, right? What do you think Dabo's, Dabo's saying? Exactly. Okay. Week one, done. We lost to Georgia, not by a lot. They're a good football team. Let's go win the ACC. Yeah. I mean, I mentioned, right? It's it's always fun to play across conferences, but there's also a silver lining is that it's not a conference game. Yeah. And so it doesn't affect your conference schedule. And if, you know, by nature of us playing in the big 12, there are a lot of good teams. Iowa state, even though they lost, they were ranked ninth, right? Oklahoma ranked in the top 10. Like these teams are reputable teams. We're going to have to play them. And if we beat them, that's, that's meaningful. And again, we have the naming, right. And the branding of being Texas football. So that can go a long way, but it's about not getting ahead of ourselves. It's really interesting that you, you mentioned that Quan just about, how important it was to y'all's team in 05 that it that you were Texas, the state and the school, y'all's team was branded in that fashion, right? That that was meaningful to y'all. I think it must be a really tremendously difficult job to be a coach nowadays. I don't think that's how guys between the age of 18 and 22 think. I don't think that's the approach that they have. They're not as tied to the state that they grew up in like they used to be. And so you have to find these ulterior motivations to really, to really hone in on that because maybe it was something in a state like Louisiana and LSU when coach O wins the championship, that was something that was important to their team, right? The important to the lifeblood of that team burrows walking into the stadium 
with the EAUX on the back of his jersey. Dude, on that Cena. gave me goosebumps, man. That was so sweet. It's the coolest yeah. thing I've seen in sports. And it's meaningful because obviously they're utilizing the Cajun spelling of the name, right? And they're the Bayou Bengals. Like, it's really tough to kind of mesh those two together. A state. How? Dude, I, just the world Texas is, kids too. I know. Now, we it's do just, have a, we have, you know, different. Johnson, Arizona. We do have some, you know, a couple of LSU or Louisiana. Man, I just don't know how though, because I mean, dude, we went into, we went into Pasadena and we literally made a Texas rappers playlist. We're like, no, nah, no, nah, we're Paul Wall. Chop- I don't even listen to Chopped and Screwed, but we played it. You know, we, we, it was like, we're going Texas. We're bringing the state. And then what did Mac Brown say on the stage afterwards? This is for the Texas high school coaches. You know, this is for all- it, how not the, the pride. Everybody, dude, I can go to New York, Chicago, San Fran, you name it. And they see Burn Orchard like, well, you Texans, y'all love some Texas. You know, I went to Lafayette and they said it especially because three-fourths of their student body is from Dallas, but they know it. So many of their students was like, horns down. By the way, I'm actually from Dallas, so I'm okay if UT wins. That's who we, why don't we have that mindset? So well, I get what you're saying, but come yeah, on, I don't I, understand it. All I can speak of is I grew up in Dallas, right? And I can say that my mindset on the state of Texas is very different from someone who grew up in Albany, Texas, right? It's a town of 2,000 people. And, and I don't know why that is. I Maybe because Dallas is a bigger city. I've seen a lot of different types of people and gotten to talk to them. I, th- I think it's the wrong approach, though, in my mind. This is, a, this, is a, this is an assumption. But I think it's the wrong approach when talking to the players because saying, like, you have to care about Texas as a state, isn't an, it's not enough. It doesn't resonate with them right now. So I don't know what the, the kind of secondary approach is, but it's got to get figured out because... It, I don't, I don't, again, like, I don't know what it is, but we got to tap into it because it's so crucial to motivating these kids. It really is. Yeah. I'm the only one, I'm one of the only guys in our friend group, not from Texas that went to Texas and I love it the most. Maybe <laughs> I only lived there for four uh, years because you, because you go there and you're like, yeah. I've had so many of my friends say who, who, who didn't grow up in Texas, they get there and like, man, no, nah, this is different. Like this, this is. I can dig it. You know, I, I, I criticize it. I talk, I made fun of it on so many levels when I didn't grow up here because I think tech Texans are a little crazy Then I got down here and I was like, you know, it kind of makes sense. Like I appreciate that pride for something. I appreciate that common denominator or connection. And, and, and that's what's, and when then you factor in the ultimate, you know, team sport and football, it only feeds to itself. Ricky wasn't a Texan, but you dang right. Ricky recognizes and call himself. Ricky is dang sure a Texan now. Yeah. You know, he grew up in Cali, but he is a Texan and he knows it and he embraces it. And 95% of the things he does, he's throwing up the horns and repping Texas. So I get what you mean, but it's, it's hard. It's hard for, for me to kind of register, figure out or understand. And, but it's, do- it's a different time. I did it. You know what? I because I agree with I do agree with Alex in a sense. Looking at my own way of life, like people from New York, like like me being from New York, like I now I'm just again starting to take pride in being from New York. My whole life, I was always repping Boston, like obviously being a Boston fan, and then repping Texas, and then obviously California. It's like it's you know, I can I think just our generation kind of gets jaded quickly with where they're from because they can see so much in the world of social media and there's, you know, always you can do more and go out and do this. And like, you know, you're taught, which is good to, you're taught to go spread your wings and kind of, you know, make something of yourself outside of your hometown. But at the same time, you're, you know, that's where your mindset is. So you kind of forget where you came from more so often than not. Whereas people like our parents' generations and a couple of generations before us, like take pride in like their home, you know? And like, I think that's kind of lost upon people our age, admittedly. So I think I, I may understand if that makes sense, like what you're saying, Toss. Yeah, it's definitely what I'm saying. And just letting it ruminate a little bit in my own mind, because that was kind of, I hadn't been thinking about that a lot, but as you brought it up, Quan, it made me think of that. Um, I think the focus has to be put on those guys locking arms together, right? Like if, if you can't get them to buy into do it for your state, do it for Texas, do it for the burn orange, do it for each other. Like yes. do, it, do it because that guy yeah. next, you want to make like, if, 
if I'm your quarterback and I want to make that left tackle, like you were talking about y'all's offensive line, I want to make that left tackle for UT get on an NFL roster and I'm going to do whatever it takes to make him look as good as possible. And he's going to do whatever it takes for me to look as good as possible because we know at that point that we can get to the NFL with, with the level of talent that we have and get paid for us as an individual. And maybe even for our family, like use whatever motivation you have to, but like, you got to make it something. You can't just fly by the seat of your pants. Like you got to focus. No. And we talked about it. uh, I think it was a previous podcast when Vincent went to Heisman, we all felt like none of us did. Clearly we weren't in New York, but that was our brother. Like still today. I mean, it's still, pisses me off that he didn't because I feel like he certainly should have. And we played and we prepared for that natty very pissed off because we thought he got jaded. So you're that's it in a nutshell. Listen, I have stupid Texas pride, positively stupid, by the way. Um, and I don't expect everybody to have that. But at the same time, I've been in that locker room. I've been on that practice field. I've been on the road trips. You know, we all have, we played sports do it for that reason. Pull it, pull together. That's the beauty of being on the road. You you don't have anybody but you. Your coaches, your training staff, your doctors, and of course your players. That's when it's the coolest. You know, we we never in a billion years in a billion years plan, you know, to act like we're military. But but in talking to so many and giving love to so many military people that I know, they always talk about the parallels. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you try to, you know, if someone tries to come over here and attack, they're not going to go attack Fort Hood. That's their base. If they're any kind of ready, you're going to get beat down. They know where everything is. That's like playing at home. But the Navy SEALs, the baddest of all levels, of course, there'll be some argument in that, but they, they go to somebody else's place. That that's when you have to be. That's when you have each other. That's when you're going into the enemy's lines. You're going to their house. And that's when they rise. That's what that's what they train for. Yeah. And that's the mindset. I hope at some point these guys embrace opposed to letting it be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Quick, quick little thing. I was at a bar in L.A. and got in a conversation with the guy next to me. And he was like, I was at the 05 game. He's like, I'm a USC guy. I grew up in LA. And he admitted to me, he was like, I still think Vince should have won that year. I know Reggie had the media and being in LA. And he was like, but VY, man, seeing that in person, like he deserved it. And I was like, wow. All right, man. You're, you're real then, huh? You, you, oh. You're a fan of, of football because oh, you, understand, you understand what Vince did. Like, the ultimate level of respect. Yeah. And that was ultimately... Not that we won. We didn't go undefeated our whole four years. But even the teams that found a way to beat us, when we left, we had respect. Yeah. Ultimately, I think what we're so fired up about and so emotional about, we're not respected nationally anymore. That hurts. Everything we fought for, because they talked about us being a country club. They talked about them being soft. Us, where We're soft. We, we, we just show it. We bull crap. We we went in and tried to hit everybody in the mouth possible to prove that narrative was bull crap. And somehow or another, our current regime have to be offended by that and take it out on their opponents. That's all we want. If we would have lost that game by three, and it was an absolute. Bloodbath, beat down, physical, crazy game. You leave with some respect. Right. They said put some respect on our name. We are just trying to get some respect back on Texas's name and via social media, via memes, via YouTube videos, <laughs> via Bleacher Report or whoever the heck y'all talked about. That's what we are lacking. And it sucks. Yeah. I, I send some funny, I'm always talking smack and giving Del Conte crap and in my pouting monday i, I send a, a text to somebody i was like you know what i slept on it but we got a game this weekend and at least we got a ferris wheel on bevo boulevard and salt and pepper coming to town <laughs> no we don't give a damn about that we want to be a football school 
That's what we want to be. Salt That's what and pepper. What year is be. this? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hold on now. I do know their songs and they are great. It is not their fault that I'm mad, but I would be a lot happier about them coming if we had taken care of business. And that's ultimately where we really, truly as an overall, because by the way, kudos to the other sports, they're taking care of business. They, are. they truly are. Mm -hmm. But from a football standpoint, we need to maybe go talk to them or figure something out psychologically, in my opinion, to get to where they're dominance, because they clearly feel how it used to be. And, and somehow I don't know what the disconnect is with with how we've kind of let had some letdowns. Yeah. Well, we got rice. We're brought to you by betonline.ag. We're minus 24. Um, good, <laughs> great teams cover. And we're going to be a great <laughs> good teams team. win. Great teams, teams cover. cover, baby. Uh, and that uh, Nick Kreider to uh, the president of our university uh, indirectly. The uh, um, but yeah, the we're going to beat them by more than 24. So take that bet. That's where we're riding this week because we're going to yeah, well, come the out. Runner is also 53. And I think we're going to score more than 53. So take that as well. Let's go, baby. Listen, I'll if they respond like they need to, and, and, and this is a funny thing. So I'm like, well, you don't say that. You don't, No, no, no. I'm going to say it. Mm -hmm. Going back to how we bounce back from games, if they respond like they should, you're dang straight, we're going to score 63. We're going to score what it, we're going to beat the breaks off of them and make it like it. That would be steps. That would be progress. That would be getting it. We're at home. We're playing an in-state school who have phenomenal academics, but mm -hmm. football is not their thing. So go beat them and make them like it. That's <laughs> how you respond. So hopefully, hopefully we do. Absolutely. Well, gents, it's always a pleasure. Still a little fired up. I know we get fired up Mondays after doing this, really releasing Tuesdays. Still a little fired up, not as fired up as usual, but hopefully next week we'll be back to the return of the usual fire. Um, and hopefully we just respond like we do, like we all want them to. And this is a good kick in the you-know-what for everyone. Sark included, and he goes, okay, it's not going to be this easy. Nothing ever is. And he you know, leads the team with Casey, and they respond, get a win here, and then – kind of keep the train rolling and then we go take care of OU when the time comes because nothing would make me happier. That would really reignite it. Uh, Joshua Fisher, Alexander Topless, Nicholas Kreider, and yes, Quan Cosby, big six. We are talking Texas, the horns up podcast. Hook them horns. Get ready for rice. Hook them. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.